God is great and is greatly to be praised. Amen. I'm going to admit this morning uh, that I'm, I'm going to need a little bit of help with this sermon. Uh, I walked up this morning, I was talking to, uh, to Zandy and Joe, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what I told them, but I hope what they heard is I need a little help this morning. So I know they're in my amen corner. They got the, the detailed version. But if you're going to be in my amen corner this morning, can I, can I get a, a wave or clap your hands or something so I know you're with me? Amen. Amen. Praise, praise God. Uh, confession is good for the soul. I am accused of saying, and indeed, uh, I am confessing. I believe uh, that I have a word from God this morning, but uh, I need your help in order to deliver it. Amen. And uh, I want to say that I won't be before you long. But I believe that God is going to move. Uh, as always, I have lots of scripture for you this morning. Uh, in fact, in some senses, this, this sermon is, is coming from four books of the Bible. Uh, from Ezra, from Nehemiah, um, from Zechariah, and from Haggai at minimum. Uh, I'm not going to ask us to read all of that because I want I don't want you to hate me. Uh, but we are going to read a portion of that, and I'll reference other places. Uh, we're going to read uh, from the book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai. Uh, we'll read chapter 2, uh, and we'll read verses 3 through 5, uh, and then verse 9. Uh, there's a chance we might read the, the interim verses there. Um, but if you're on the prayer call uh, later in the week, you don't need to read the whole thing. I would stick with 3 to 5 in verse 9. Uh, and then we're going to skip over uh, and we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. Uh, so as has become our custom, uh, if you are able, uh, let's stand together for the reading of the word. Haggai chapter 2, uh, verses 3 through 5, and then... Uh, well, through to verse 9. Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now, take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Now turning to Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. Uh, we're reading this this morning, uh, partially because I alluded to it two weeks ago. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. 
But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You may be seated. God, help us to, this morning, walk completely in who we are and turn all that we are over to you. Our hopes, our trepidation, our triumphs, our lament, we turn it over to you. Lord, beyond my conception and our imaginations, I pray that in this worship moment, you may allow us in supernatural ways to give ourselves completely to you. In your name, amen. We praise God. Well, I'm going to admit this morning, uh, partially because uh, this is going to be streamed on the internet uh, for all of the future to hear, I'm not going to go into all the details. I, I'm working myself out. That's, that's, just, that's just being real. Uh, but I want to uh, describe with enough detail uh, uh, a moment that I had in my life. I remember something that I thought was uh, impossible to happen, happened. Uh, in my world, the world was torn asunder. The world felt it, uh, felt like it tore in, in two. It felt like a great building had crashed in. Uh, I ran home uh, for two weeks. Uh, to deal with the, the situation, home being the, the place where I grew up, almost where I was born and lived my entire life. And after those two weeks are over, I remember making a decision to, to come back to my, to my new home in Connecticut at the time. And uh, to this day, I'm not sure why exactly I made that decision, uh, but we did, praise God. And I remember walking into that house and walking up the stairs, it was a townhouse, uh, and turning the corner and looking and seeing this place, uh, and it looking and feeling empty, uh, and this moment of emptiness filled me. Uh, and I looked and I didn't know what to do. The building was there, but it felt empty. It felt uh, despondent. Emptiness was brimming, if you please. And I took a step and then another step, but I didn't know what the future could look like. Uh, if we were honest with ourselves, uh, some of us find ourselves in similar situations where you're uh, in a new land, you might call that land Babylon. You might feel like you are in exile from your life. Maybe uh, it's the, the pandemic and it changed your very conception of what it means to live. Maybe you find yourself in, uh, in a house with folks that you, that you thought you knew, that you, you thought you birthed, um, but something doesn't feel quite right. Perhaps you... Uh, in a situation where the doctors are telling you that uh, the things that you used to take for granted, you can't take for granted 
anymore. Somehow you looked up or you looked at the news and you realized that the city or the country that you live in isn't quite what you thought it was and you feel like you can't do anything uh, about it. Sometimes we might feel uh, like we are strangers or sojourners in a strange land. Sometimes we might feel, as Psalm 137 alludes to, my favorite song, admittedly because I knew it as a reggae song before I knew it as Psalm 137. My favorite Psalm 137 uh, says that, that they asked for mirth. Uh, they asked me to play the harp, but how can I play the harp anymore in a strange land? How can I play the harp anymore when I am in exile, when I am in Babylon? If we were honest with ourselves for a moment, we recognize that there are times where we might feel like we are in exile. Indeed, the story of the children of Israel uh, is really one of God walking with them through the exile. Let me see if I can make this plain. The children of Israel uh, were a city, were a community that believed in God and indeed were people set apart for God and in the midst of the great city at the center of their community, Jerusalem, in the midst of that city, there was a temple. And the Bible itself describes the building of this temple and describes the presence of God entering into the temple. So this isn't just a city. Right? This just, just isn't a beautiful edifice. This is literally the place where God's spirit dwells the temple and so if you believe that God's spirit dwells in the temple in the middle of Jerusalem then it is beyond comprehension that that temple can be destroyed because if that temple is destroyed what does that mean for where the presence of God is in your life and though the pre-exilic prophets, if you please, came and said, uh, you better do different or, 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 or the temple is going to be destroyed. Oh, you better do different or there's going to be problems. When the moment of the temple being destroyed happened, it was cataclysmic for the children of Israel. The catastrophe not only was the temple destroyed, but many of the citizens of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas were exiled to Babylon. That means that they were taken from their home and they were brought to a strange land and they were told... Uh, not to practice the culture, not to practice the, the, the religion, if you please, not to eat a certain way. They were told when they heard the, the music of the clarinet and the harp that they were not to worship their God, but instead they were to worship the gods of Babylon. That's the story. Uh, and if you go into Daniel, we won't get it now, you'll hear about the, the three Hebrew boys who, when the music played, decided to do something different than what they were taught. But imagine those three Hebrew boys sitting in the midst of a situation in exile, not in their home place where they are told they have to do things against their very conception of who they are. 
So now I want you to, to, to feel and experience and imagine what this meant for the children of Israel. That, that, that the very presence of God was no longer housed in the temple because the temple no longer existed. And they were cast away to exile. I don't know if I can imagine it, but my closest moment might be that walk up the stairs. In the face of what seemed an impossible situation, the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians or the Medes. Uh, and King Darius uh, sent an edict that said to the children of Israel, go and rebuild. Go back to your land and rebuild. The exile is over. So now we're in the, the post-exilic period, if you, you please. Uh, so they went back to the land and they went to rebuild. And so uh, in Nehemiah and Ezra, you can read about this. They rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt Jerusalem. They rebuilt the wall in the face of opposition. There was this building program going on. Uh, and then uh, in the midst of this, uh, you can read about this in Nehemiah 8, they were called to celebrate one of the festivals of Israel, the Feast of Booths uh, or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, sometimes also referred to as the Feast of Ingathering. Now, the idea of feast is that it is indeed a celebration, but just like our feasts and our festivals, uh, it's a festival or a feast or a, a day that reminds us of the, the past. And so this particular festival, the Feast, the feast of Booths, involves taking uh, agricultural implements, reeds, uh, and building shelters or tents in a place to remind the children of Israel that when they were on the journey to the promised land, they were intense, but God was with them. And so every year in the Jewish calendar, uh, that is to be celebrated on the, the 15th of the month Tishri. Um, so today is the 13th of Tishri. So uh, the at sunset, it'll be the 14th of Tishri. And then sunset Monday will be the 15th of Tishri. And so... The Feast of Booths, or, or forgive my pronunciation, I might have this wrong, but Sukkot is, is to be practiced starting tomorrow, Monday, right? So we are right now in the moment of the, the Feast of Booths. And this feast that happened when the children of Israel came back from, from exile was especially important because as well as participating in this feast, uh, every seven years, you were all supposed, supposed to read the law. So you would come out and you'd get the Pentateuch and you would read the entire thing. In this journey back from exile, there was a specific moment where God called the people uh, to worship him under tents so that they could remember exactly where God brought them from. Uh, and it was celebrated again. Monday is the day of celebration. And uh, in a very real sense, we are being called right now to worship God under tents. Thank you, set up and tear down. Uh, as we remember the promise that God has for us. 
Then they read the law and remembered their God. When the people came back, we're not going to read it this morning, but when the people came back and they walked, they started rebuilding the temple and they came to this moment where they looked at what they had built and they lamented. They lamented and uh, it's not entirely specific in the text. You have to look into it a little bit more deeply. But the building process here stopped. Uh, there was this moment of, I'm going to use the, the, the word depression, if you please, when they looked at what they had built and considered the, the, the story of latter years, considered where they had been and where they were now, considered what the temple looked, by, looked like before Solomon's temple in all its grandeur, and looked at the temple uh, that they had built as they came out of the exile, and they said, oh. And then God sent his prophet Haggai to speak to the people. Haggai, the date that Haggai speaks is very specific, uh, uniquely among the prophets, not the era, but Haggai spoke to the people on this specific date uh, because they entered this moment where they looked at where they were now and they compared it to where they were before and they said, oh, it's not the same. And they lamented and they mourned and I know some of us are in that situation where we're wrestling with God and wrestling with what it means to be in a new situation, wrestling with what it means to, to, to walk up the steps of your proverbial townhouse and recognize the ugh, that it's not the same. To recognize that you're back worshiping in person at victory, but it's not exactly the same as it was in the latter years. Recognize that, oh, that you're back at your job, but you look around and realize that it's not the same. Recognize that there's a moment where you yearn for the past and don't understand what the future can look like. And yes, you're building the temple but it can't be the same. And then the word of Haggai came to the people. The word of Haggai that we read this morning says simply the following. Who is left among you that saw this house, the temple, in its former glory? And how does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet old heads, take courage. Take courage, Zerubbabel. Take courage, Joshua. Take courage, Zandi. Take courage, Nadine. Take courage. Because I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt, according to the promise that I am reminding you of right now in the Feast of Booth, according to the promise that I made for you. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. 
And when God sent his prophet to speak to the people in the midst of this moment, the people then went on uh, and faced numerous challenges, but continued to build the temple. They trusted in God and indeed the, the new temple, the, 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 the new life was different, but it wasn't deficient. They trusted in God when they couldn't see beyond the situation. And because they trusted in God, God brought them to a new and different splendor. God brought them to a place of transformation. God brought them to a place where the temple could exist. The new temple, the second temple, if you please, could exist and go on Haggai prophesied to them, and they went and built the temple. So this morning, church, I want to tell you, I want to remind you in the, in the midst of this new place as we are, are about to celebrate the Feast of Booths, in the midst of a place where you might feel like a stranger in a strange land, in a place where you are questioning and wrestling with what your relationship with God looks like in this moment, in a place where it may be difficult if you're there. I want you to hear from the prophet Haggai and know that God is with you and that he will walk with you. And indeed, it is possible for the splendor of the latter days to be different but not deficient from the splendor of the former days, that God has great things for his children, for the community, and for you. The prophet Haggai spoke on that specific day many years ago and believe that he is speaking to us again today to remind us that there is splendor, that there is the joy of the Lord, and that the joy of the Lord can be our strength, and that we are called to build his temple. Now, how do we build the temple of God? Back then, I described, I described before, the, the, the presence of God dwelt indeed in the temple. The Shekinah presence of God was believed to dwell within the temple in the Holy of Holies. Uh, today, the temple, if you please, is not just in Jerusalem, but the day is coming and now is where the children of God will worship in spirit and in truth. The day is coming and now is uh, when God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh as the prophet Joel prophesied. The day is coming and now is when God is not dwelling in a tent or a tabernacle or in a building built by men, but instead is dwelling in his people. A day is coming and now is when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the world. The day is coming and now is when when God's spirit will dwell within God's people, that means indeed that we are the temple of the living God. Amen. And when you think about 
uh, how the philosophers, how the, uh, the, the, the folks who think about these things deeply will wrestle with the idea that God's Holy Spirit would dwell in us. I want us to recognize that we are indeed temples of the living God. Now for me, uh, it's important to take care of ourselves physically, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I want us to think about what it means to follow the decree of Haggai to us to build his temple, to build within ourselves and within our spiritual makeup the ability to allow God to flow through us and to permeate our lives so that we might say it is well with our souls. The Spirit of God dwells in us and we're called to rebuild the temple. And so I submit to you this morning that there are some practices that are helpful in rebuilding the temple. Uh, we'll get in depth, I hope, in the next sermon series. But for now, I want to highlight the idea of prayer. Or the idea of responding to the call of the private high guy in our lives by committing to a continual walk and conversation with God where we share our heart's desires and thoughts and turn those over to Him so that they can be transformed by the Spirit of God. So that when the Holy of Holies dwells inside of us, that we might have constant communication so that our very walk is directed in prayer. I want to submit that if we think about what it practically means to build the temple and to live in the splendor that Haggai described, that we are talking about worship and the idea that we can take uh, ourselves and our inclinations and we can intentionally turn ourselves to a place where we can recognize and honor exactly who God is in our lives. That as the children of Israel were meant to be set apart as a testament to who God is and as God decided to send his only son so that we can see in flesh and in truth who God really is. So we might turn our entire being from the depths of all we are, from the very mitochondria, from the very cellular level, that we can turn all of ourselves over to worship of our God and see how in worship God's presence might come down uh, and work and flow in our temple. I want us to think about what it might mean as, as we learn how to build the temple to get from a place of seeking after righteousness, and yes, the righteousness is incredibly important to seek after it, but to a place where we operate in mercy 
and where we live out the call of God to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. And to know through the Good Samaritan that who is our neighbor is indeed not about uh, uh, who, but is instead about how we act in mercy. And I submit this morning that we can together build his temple and to see and be transformed in that, in that building and to see the splendor of the Lord in the latter days. Yes, in that specific historical moment captured in Ezra, the children of Israel looked at the temple in its current state after the exile, after the catastrophe and said, ugh. But in that moment, God spoke and said, oh, I'm with you and I've got something more for you and I want you to go and build my temple. There is beauty in building our temple together. As I like to say, we might have to go through a lot in life. But we never have to go through it alone. That's the message of Haggai. God is with us. And sometimes when we choose to go alone, when we choose to separate ourselves from the one who is able, that is called sin, by the way. When we choose to be separate from God, sometimes we need a reminder from our brother and sisters that we are not alone. And indeed, sometimes that's how we get the victory victory. My story, after I walked up those steps at the townhouse, went back to, to my school, to my classroom, and uh, consciously chose to be separate for a while. Consciously chose that I was not going to uh, uh, invest in the way that I should have been in, uh, in people that I could now clearly see weren't, uh, weren't investing in me. Uh, in that moment of my story, what I found is there's a couple of key moments, key platitudes, if you please, that were critical for me to hold on to until I could see God working again. I didn't have tents set up as a reminder. Indeed, I didn't have a church community. So in that moment, I, I should tell my wife and I joke about it now. I don't remember the number exactly, but I want to say in 52 different Sundays, we visited, I want to say the number was like 39 different churches. Uh, because in that moment for me, the platitude was to not forsake the assembly of his people. And even when I couldn't see it, even when I couldn't feel it, I held on to that notion and I asked, where are you, God, where are you? God, why don't I hear you? God, why does uh, this new time out of exile look so terrible? What will happen? And I recognized that my healthy tra traditions 
ended up being transformed to a place where I saw the truth in the words of the prophet Haggai, that God was with me every step of the journey. <laughs> Sometimes I describe it this way. I like to tell the, the, the joke. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but there's a, there's a person, uh, we'll say it's a gentleman, uh, and there's a flood, and the person's on top of their house, and somebody comes by in a boat and says, hey, come, get on the, get on the boat. And the person says, no, 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 God, God will save me. You go ahead. Uh, and then uh, a helicopter comes by, and the rope comes down, and they say, jump on the rope. And they say, no, 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 God, God will save me. Don't worry about it. Uh, so finally, another boat comes by, and, and they scuba dive over at this point, and they say, I have scuba diving gear for you. Get in the scuba diving gear. Come on, we'll save you. And they say, no, 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 God will, God will, will save me. So the person doesn't get saved, and uh, they go up to heaven. And when they get to heaven, they ask God, God, why didn't you save me? And they say, God says, why didn't I save you? I sent you a boat, scuba diving gear. And a helicopter, <laughs> you just chose not to take it. And the person said, well, I was expecting a whirlwind, God. <laughs> I recognized in my journey as I went from, from place to place uh, that there were specific instances where God was calling me back to him. Literal, literal, Troy, come up here. I'm going to pray with you at a church that is visiting for the first time. And I said after that, God, where are you? Where are you? It happened a second time. It happened a third time. And I finally recognized that God was with me every step of the journey. And then God brought me home. And God showed me that while I do mourn for the days before the exile, that there still is hope and splendor in my walk with God, and that we are still called to build God's temple. Beloved, God has great things for us, and God wants to hear and know the very struggles of our hearts, and God wants to allow those things to be turned over to him so that they can be transformed. Even if you don't hear from the prophet Haggai, although I believe, I hope not through my word, but through the Holy Spirit that we're hearing from the work and the words and the wisdom of Haggai this morning. I want us to know that we hold on to God until we can see and know that God is with us and that the splendor of our latter days will be great church be of good cheer God is still speaking and God has great things for us praise God
Amen. Well, the gospel has been preached in your hearing. And as I like to say, I would be remiss if I didn't give an opportunity for those who haven't accepted the truth of Christ to accept God. Indeed, he is calling us and he loved us so much that he sent his son so that we might accept his sacrifice and take on relationship with him so that we might be reconciled to God. For a moment with every eye closed and every head bowed, this is a moment where you can uh, lift your hand into the air and accept that God loved you so much that he died to accept you even when you knowingly or unknowingly rejected him. If you want that to be your story this morning, just go ahead and slip your hand into the air. And now a second call, an internal call, is simply to acknowledge that the splendor that God has for you in the future is real and that in our struggle we can hold on to God as the author and finisher of our faith. No need to slip your hand into the air, but as uh, we are approaching the Feast of Booths, the Feast of the Tabernacle under these beautiful tabernacles and edifices, if your story is that you need to recommit all of yourself to God, I want you to, in your own prayer language, tell God that you trust him for your future, even in the midst of lament for the past and present. As the praise team comes, let's give God a hand clap of praise. 